There was a knock one morning, a man was standing at my door. He said, hello, I'm from Halliburton, have you heard of us before? We'd like to lease your backyard to drill for natural gas. It's called hydraulic fracturing, and it is the very past for a clean energy future above the Marcellus Stone. Plus, we'll give you lots of money and a new mobile phone. I said, you are a corporate crook. I don't believe the things you tell, and you can drive right off my property and then go straight to hell. No fracking way. No fracking way, I don't trust corporate salesmen, whatever they may say. No fracking way, no fracking way, no fracking way. No fracking way, no fracking way. And that was David Rovick singing No Fracking Way. Well, that was at least an excerpt from No Fracking Way. You can find the... Uh, entire song no fracking way on the album big red sessions welcome to frack you very much a fracking terrible podcast if you want to check out all our back episodes and more you can go to frack you very you find a link there to send me a message you'll also find some links there to make a donation you can make a one-time or recurring donation to keep this fracking podcast free and independent. You can also follow on Twitter at FYVM show. First up is a story from usnews.com. Drilling plans near city raise concerns among landowners. Wyoming landowners have raised concerns about health risks after potential drilling project was announced near city limits. Samson Energy Company has announced the plans to drill 10 to 15 oil wells east of Cheyenne, the Wyoming Tribune Eagle reports. The drilling spacing units run from Iron Mountain Road in the north to Interstate 80 in the south and were approved by the Wyoming Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, the company officials said. The project would remain 1,000 feet from any occupied structure and may not even cover the entire area, company officials said. Applications for the drilling permit will narrow down where the drilling will occur. Part of the proposed 12-square-mile zone falls within city limits, landowners and residents said. In October, a report from the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment found people living within 2,000 feet of fracking sites could face an elevated risk of short-term health issues, like nosebleeds, headaches, breathing trouble, and dizziness, said Wayne Lax, vice president of the Landowners Coalition. Drilling could begin next summer if permits are approved, company officials said. Next up, a piece from Dsmog blog, republished on popularresistance.org, this written by Justin McCulka. Over their heads with debt, U.S. shale oil and gas firms are now moving from a boom in fracking to a boom in bankruptcies. This trend of failing finances has a potential for U.S. public, both at the state and federal levels, to be left on the hook for paying to properly shut down and clean up even more drilling sites. 
expect these companies to try reducing their debt through the process of bankruptcy and, like the coal industry, attempting to get out of environmental and employee-related financial obligations. In October, EP Energy, one of the largest oil producers in the Eagle Ford Shale region in Texas, filed for bankruptcy because the firm couldn't pay back almost $5 billion in debt, making it the largest oil and gas bankruptcy since 2016. EP Energy hasn't produced a profit since 2014, and Bloomberg reported that the company would need oil to be at a price closer to $70 a barrel for EP to be profitable. Oil has not come close to averaging over $70 a barrel since 2014. Despite its financial struggles at current low oil prices, the company plans to continue operating after restructuring and eliminating up to $3 billion in debt. However, EP has not identified any funds that it would be setting aside for well cleanup, which is not unusual for an oil and gas company. In response, as part of the bankruptcy proceedings, the U.S. Department of Interior filed a document arguing that EP Energy is still responsible for its obligations to assure the, quote, decommissioning, plugging, and abandonment of any of the EP Energy wells that are located on leased federal and tribal lands. Ideally, that would mean EP Energy sets aside funds for the proper cleanup and end-of-life processes for its oil and gas wells, which number more than 800 in the Eagle Ford region. However, the federal government hasn't even named a number yet for how much that should be. The Bureau of Land Management and Bureau of Indian Affairs, quote, are currently still assessing the status of reclamation and plugging and abandonment obligations across the debtors' onshore federal and Indian leases writes the Interior Department. The federal government is only getting around to assessing EP Energy's potential liabilities once the firm is already in the bankruptcy process, revealing one of the flaws in the current system. Federal and state governments have not been holding fracking companies fully liable for the environmental damage and cleanup costs of their drilling activity. Joshua Caleb Macy, a visiting assistant presser at Cornell Law School, who specializes in bankruptcy and energy law, told Desmog that the situation with EP Energy was, quote, frustrating and completely normal. According to the Interior Department filing, quote, regardless of its bankruptcy, the debtor is required to comply with all applicable federal laws. As I've reported before, oil and gas companies are legally required to hold a certain amount of funds to pay for well cleanup costs, a process known as bonding, that varies by state and for public lands. Because companies are rarely required to have those funds available before they start drilling, and thanks to industry-friendly regulators and politicians, in reality, oil and gas companies can walk away from cleanup obligations with relative ease, which has become the pattern for bankrupt coal companies. Including cleanup costs would make extraction, quote, uneconomic. Federal and state regulators have been failing to require companies to fully fund expected cleanup liabilities, which helps mask the true cost of oil and gas production. Passing environmental cleanup costs on to taxpayer amounts to a backdoor subsidy for the oil and gas industry. 
requiring oil and gas companies to pay for shutting down and cleaning up wells would greatly increase the cost of drilling for many oil and gas wells. The fracking industry already can't make money pumping fossil fuels out of shale in the U.S., and that's without these firms coming even close to fully funding their cleanup costs. However, more state governments are realizing the scale of this problem and starting to look at increasing and enforcing bonding requirements for oil and gas well cleanup. However, in oil-rich places like Alberta, Canada, and Alaska, regulators are realizing that the money just isn't there. In 2018, the natural gas driller Amarok Resources acquired the Nikolai Creek assets in southwest Alaska from the bankrupt Aurora Gas. This transaction was delayed when the Alaska Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, AOGCC, announced $7 million in bonding required for the gas wells associated with the purchase. This is the point where the state government had the power to make Amarok provide adequate bonding for well cleanup. The AOGCC then agreed to reduce that amount to $200,000, and the deal went ahead. Since that deal, the Commission increased the minimum statewide bonding level to $400,000 per well for the first 1 to 10 wells. Amarok would be required to abide by these new regulations and has appealed this decision. Company President Scott Pfaff explain that these new bonding requirements make the business uneconomic. And that is the reality. If oil and gas companies were required to pay for the full end-of-life cost of their wells, much of their inventory becomes uneconomic. This is where the taxpayers come in. Failure to require adequate bonding for oil and gas cleanup costs is just one of many backdoor government subsidies for the oil and gas industry. The failure to regulate flaring and venting of the potent greenhouse gas methane during oil drilling is another example. Fracking firms which spend a lot of borrowed money to pump out a lot of oil and gas for not much or any profit are experiencing a collapse in financing. Thanks to the industry's failed business model, these companies are desperate for ways to cut costs. One of the major costs associated with hydraulic fracturing or fracking is acquiring, pumping, and disposing of water, which, after a driller is finished with it, typically contains corrosive levels of salts and contaminants including naturally occurring radioactive materials, chemicals, and oil residues. This area has become a major target for the industry to save money. As the Washington Post pointed out in 2015, when it comes to fracked shale oil and gas production, quote, currently there is no way to treat, store, and release the billions of gallons of wastewater at the surface. The industry's current range of legal approaches to disposing of its massive amounts of wastewater involves injecting it underground, which in some cases is tied to increased earthquake activities, using it to irrigate crops or de-ice roads, and sending it to municipal water treatment plants lacking equipment to properly treat it. Treating oil and gas drilling wastewater is possible, but expensive. As S&P Global Platts recently reported, 
According to a study by the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers and Independent Petroleum Association of America, for Permian drillers in Texas, quote, economically, treatment costs must come down. The study concludes that dealing with wastewater is already a limiting factor in this prolific region. Quote, some Permian sub-basins are currently constrained due to insufficient injection well capacity. Projected production growth will worsen the situation. With this glut of wastewater combined with high costs, the industry is looking for a cheap alternative. The latest preferred approach seems to be lobbying governments to change the rules to allow dumping wastewater with limited treatment into rivers and streams. In October, E&E News reported that there's a movement to allow or expand such wastewater dumping in Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico, and Pennsylvania, all states with major fracking industries. Quote, Within a year, Oklahoma could get approval from EPA to start issuing permits that will allow the oil industry to dispose of briny oil field waste in waterways, E&E wrote. As space for injection wells becomes scarce, the industry hopes to dump its wastewater in streams and rivers, once again passing on potential environmental and financial liabilities to the public. A 2017 working group looking for alternatives for Oklahoma oiled field wastewater, also known in the industry sanitized term, produced water, found, quote, the most cost-effective means of reducing disposal is for oil companies to treat and clean that produced water so it can be reused for things like fracking. However, recycling produced water to again frack wells results in more toxic produced water, which can't be recycled indefinitely. With injection wells increasingly unable to handle the volume of water produced by the industry, shale firms have been seeking cheap alternative disposal methods. However, the 2017 analysis concluded that treating produced frack water to the point it could be safely dumped into rivers or used to irrigate agriculture wasn't economically viable. Owen Mills, the director of water planning for the Oklahoma Water Resources Board, explained to State Impact Oklahoma why this wasn't an option for the industry. Quote, it's incredibly expensive to do that, and it takes a lot of energy. To properly treat the fracking wastewater to the point it is no longer a threat to human health and the environment would be incredibly expensive, and that is why the industry is lobbying to change the rules about disposing its wastewater. If it succeeds, expect the eventual cleanup costs, also incredibly expensive, to be billed to the American public. And this piece is written by Liz Hampton and is published on CNBC.com. Superior Energy Services' latest casualty of fracking market downturn. Oilfield Services Company Superior Energy Services Incorporated on Monday said it will shutter its hydraulic fracturing unit, the second supplier this month to exit a business hammered by slower shale activity. Last week, Basic Energy Services said it would sell most of its hydraulic fracturing equipment for between $30 million to $45 million, citing weaker activity and pricing that inhibited, quote, the potential for positive free cash flow in the near to medium term. 
Oil field service companies have been hard hit this year by weak oil and gas prices and spending cuts by producers shifting to focus on shareholder returns via cost saving over production growth. Hydraulic fracturing uses high-powered pumps to force sand, water, and chemicals underground to release trapped oil and gas. Consultancy Primary Vision Incorporate estimates some 150 hydraulic fracturing spreads, which are used to complete oil wells, have been taken off the market since April. Earlier this month, Superior said it was cutting 112 pump code jobs in West Texas. The company anticipates a $45 million pre-tax charge to earnings from a reduction in the value of its assets and will use proceeds from the divestiture to pay down debt, it said, in a regulatory filing. Pumpco had about 13 fracking spreads with roughly 650,000 hydraulic horsepower, while Basic had about 11 spreads with 500,000 hydraulic horsepower, according to Primary Vision. Quote, We are seeing the impact of the collapse of the Mid-Continent's drilling programs, said Richard Spears, Vice President of Consultancy, Spears and Associates, referring to oil fields in Kansas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, and Texas. The rest of the industry is so weak that there is no place to move frack equipment to where it could be employed. Oil production in the Andarco Basin, which spans Oklahoma and parts of Texas, is expected to fall by 12,000 barrels per day this month to 551,000 barrels, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration. The Eagle Ford Shale in South Texas is also expected to suffer a production decline, according to the EIA's latest drilling productivity report. Earlier this month, top fracking provider Halliburton Co. closed its Oklahoma office and laid off hundreds of workers. Spears said many fracking companies have been hurt by oil companies buying sand and chemicals directly from suppliers rather than from oil field service firms. Quote, Taking those away from the frack service company evaporated the profits that allowed the surface company service companies to reinvest in growth or survive a sustained downturn, he said. And this also from CNBC.com, a piece originating from Reuters and reporting by Shraddha Singh. The Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas has doubled its estimates for job losses this year through October in the oil and gas industry of Texas, the largest oil producing state in the United States, as companies rein in spending in the face of volatile oil prices. In a report released on Tuesday, the Federal Bank said it expects about 8,100 job losses in Texas oil and gas sector from an earlier estimate of 4,000 losses. It also sees an 8.1% job loss through October in the mining sector, which includes oil and gas. Employment in the U.S. oil and gas sector fell for the first time in 14 months in November, according to data from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. The report also shows home prices and sales have fallen in Texas's Permian Basin, as more people in the state's oil and gas sector are likely to lose jobs. Median home price in the basement in the basin was $301,045 in October, down 2% from August when it peaked at 309,094. 
while monthly home sales edged lower to 372 units in October, dropping 3.6% from the previous month. U.S. oil prices have hovered below $60 a barrel for most part of the year, prompting many energy firms to cut staff and reduce budgets, even as major oil exporting countries have curbed production. Earlier this month, top fracking provider Halliburton closed its Oklahoma office, impacting hundreds of workers, while Superior Energy Services Incorporated follows suit and said on Monday it will shut its hydraulic fracturing unit, as we just heard in the prior story. Activists claim Washington fracked gas refinery violates federal law. This is a piece published on shadowproof.com. Columbia Riverkeeper, a group committed to the enforcement of environmental protections, says Northwest Innovation Works sought billions for construction for a fracked gas to methanol refinery in violation of a federal law that restricts funding. Last month, environmental and public health groups filed charges challenging federal approval for NWIW's refinery proposed for construction in Kalama, Washington. The complaint challenges permits issued by the United States Army Corps of Engineers to NWIW to construct a marine terminal that the refinery will use to ship methanol overseas. According to Columbia Riverkeeper, they intend to block billions of dollars in support that NWIW is unlawfully seeking for the refinery. NWIW has applied for federal and Washington state grants and other forms of financial assistance, explained Jasmine Zimmer-Stuckey, a former senior organizer with Columbia Riverkeeper. According to documents obtained by Columbia Riverkeeper and shared with Shadowproof, NWIW applied for a $2 billion loan guarantee from the U.S. Department of Energy and an $11.5 million grant from the U.S. Department of Transportation via the port of Kalama. Columbia Riverkeeper argues such double-dipping into federal funding violates the Omnibus Appropriations Act of 2009, which prohibits loan guarantees from being made to any project which receives financial support from other federal agencies. The organization further notes that NWIW has a pending request for another $11.5 million grant from the Transportation Department, on top of the $12 million grant it was already awarded from the Washington State Department of Transportation. The refinery was also denied a $15 million low-interest loan from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The Department of Energy declined to comment, describing loan applications and the loan applications process to be, quote, business-sensitive. Both the Transportation Department and NWIW failed to respond to multiple requests for comment. Should NWIW win its loan guarantee from the DOE, Columbia Riverkeeper believes it would put taxpayers on the hook for $2 billion of the refinery's construction costs. Quote, NWIW wants U.S. taxpayers to bear the financial risk, up to $2.1 billion if the methanol refinery fails, said Zimmer Stuckey. If NWIW goes bankrupt, the federal government could be responsible for paying some or all of the $2.1 billion cost of building the methanol refinery. Columbia Riverkeeper's accusations come amid a five-year battle against what the environmental group describes as the world's largest fracked gas-to-methanol refinery. 
a joint venture between the Chinese government and U.S. investors. The refinery would process fracked gas transported via pipelines from Canada and the Rocky Mountains into liquid methanol. Quote, Their plan is to take advantage of Washington's cheap natural gas, water, and electricity to produce methanol for export to China, added Zimmer Stuckey. The refinery would sit on the bank of the Columbia River, which feeds out into the Pacific Ocean. As Columbia Riverkeeper warns, it would pose an enormous threat to the environment. Natural gas fracking, storing millions of gallons of highly combustible methanol in one place, and transporting toxic chemicals via pipelines and waterways, would carry risks. Quote, The methanol refinery would degrade the community of Kalama, the Columbia River estuary, and our climate, contended Miles Johnson, a senior attorney with Columbia Riverkeeper. The Sightline Institute released a study on the local environmental impact of NWIW after plans for the refinery were proposed in 2014. According to Sightline, NWIW would consume 5 million gallons of water and 320 million cubic feet of gas each day with 80% of the water lost as steam and diesel particulate, ammonia, carbon monoxide, and nitrogen dioxide is released into the air. All of this would occur in a habitat which is home to endangered salmon and steelhead populations, which feed endangered killer whales, bears, bald eagles, and people. Residents rely on the Columbia River for both recreation and fishing especially in the cases of local tribal nations, such as the Nez Perce, Cayuse, Umatia, Walla Walla, Wascos, Warm Springs, Paiutes, and Yakama. As Sightline put it, NWIW threatens this vital habitat on a scale that dwarfs other polluters in Washington state. Quote, for context, that's more natural gas than is used by every gas-fired power plant in Washington, combined, said Eric DePlace, the director of Sightline's work on energy policy. It's also more than is used by every industrial site in the state or every home in the state. It's about twice as much as is used by every commercial business. Zimmer Stuckey warned, quote, NWIW's refinery would consume more fracked gas than every gas-fired power plant in Washington state combined and rank among the state's leading causes of greenhouse gas pollution. Rather than accept the reality of pollution, NWIW presents itself as a company committed to reducing greenhouse gases, a requirement for eligibility under the Energy Department's loan guarantee guidelines. The refinery's website cites analysis that claims NWIW will reduce global greenhouse gas emissions by, quote, displacing coal-to-methanol manufacturing in China. But there are no assurances that coal-fired plants overseas would actually shut down, only that the world's largest fracked gas-to-methanol refinery would open up in the United States. There is little certainty that adding new gas-based methanol to the global methanol market would avoid the equivalent amount of methanol made from coal in China, whether from already existing methanol plants or from new yet-to-be-built plants, said Pete Erickson, a senior scientist with Stockholm Environment Institute. Because the methanol market is global, Erickson indicated a new supply could simply expand the market, creating new demand rather than displacing production elsewhere. 
He also argued replacing one polluter with another will not suffice to meet the targets identified in the International Paris Climate Accord. Quote, Production and use of coal, oil, and gas will all need to decline, as a production gap report with the UN Environment Program and other partners shows, added Erickson, referring to a recent report examining the discrepancy between current energy production and the reductions necessary to meet climate goals. Regardless of NWIW's pitch for their new refinery, Columbia Riverkeeper hopes to keep their bait-and-switch from hooking the public. NWIW initially hoped to construct their refinery in Tacoma. Resistance from residents forced the company out of Tacoma, and Columbia Riverkeeper is hoping Kalama can achieve a similar victory, both for the community and for the planet. Quote, We simply cannot keep building new fossil fuel infrastructure, concluded Johnson. We must transition to a truly clean energy future. And on top of the decline in financial health of the fracking and oil and gas extraction industries, and on top of the risks posed by new plants in generating additional CO2, there's catastrophic accidents that cause major damage as well. This piece is by Rafi Letzer. It's published in LiveScience.com. Catastrophic Ohio methane leak stayed hidden until a satellite found it. A little-noticed 2018 methane leak at an ExxonMobil site in Ohio was one of the worst in recent memory. Outpacing the methane emissions from the entire oil and gas industries of many countries. That's according to a paper published December 16 in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences and first reported in the New York Times. When the natural gas well in Belmont County, Ohio blew in February, it was a significant local event, prompting the evacuation of about 100 residents within a one-mile radius. But it wasn't clear how large the leak was until researchers in the new paper studying data from a new European space agency methane monitoring satellite spotted the plume. The blown well was pumping 132 tons of methane into the atmosphere every hour, give or take 35 tons. That's nearly double the rate of a much more famous leak reported at a SoCal gas site in Aliso Canyon, California, in 2015. Invisible, odorless methane is one of the most important sources of greenhouse gases after carbon dioxide, the researchers wrote, accounting for at least one quarter of all global warming that greenhouse gases are causing in 2019. That's despite the substance's concentration in the atmosphere, which is much lower than CO2s. The gas is 80 times more potent at warming the planet than carbon dioxide in the first decade after the substance released. Methane is also, in some ways, a simpler problem to address. Emissions of this gas hang around in the atmosphere for just 10 years, while carbon dioxide can last thousands of years. 
But methane emissions are difficult to track, with many significant emission sources likely going unreported, the authors of the new study wrote. The advent of remote methane sensing equipment on ESA satellites is offering researchers a new window onto the problem. The sheer scale of the Ohio incident might have gone unnoticed if the team of Dutch and U.S. researchers behind this paper hadn't decided to specifically look for the leak in the satellite data after hearing reports of the blowout. The researchers spotted the leak's plume traveling north along the Ohio-Pennsylvania border and then east into Pennsylvania. The satellite observed the blowout emissions on 27 February 2018, which was the 13th day in the blowout period, which likely does not represent the peak emission rate, the research researchers wrote in the paper. The leak continued until March 7, at which point the event had gone on for 20 days, the researchers wrote. It's likely that other similar leaks routinely go unnoticed, the, author the authors said. Quote, our study shows how methane emissions from large gas leakages due to accidents in the oil and gas sector can escape the greenhouse gas emissions accounting system, adding a significant source of uncertainty to the annual estimates reported to the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, UNFCCC, the researchers wrote. Improvements in satellite monitoring might help researchers get a better handle on the issue, the researchers added. That monitoring might become even more important soon. The Trump administration is trying, not for the first time, to roll back regulations designed to prevent methane leaks that come from oil and gas extraction, according, according to the Washington Post. Exxon originally reported smaller figures for the methane leak though the company now accepts this paper's numbers, according to the Times. A company spokesman, Casey Norton, told the Times that the event was an, quote, anomaly. He added that Exxon scientists would sit down with the researchers in the new study to see how the company might avoid underreporting methane leaks in the future. And finally, on the same topic, a piece from CommonDreams.org written by Jessica Corbett. The revelation Monday that a blowout last year at an Ohio natural gas well owned by an ExxonMobil subsidiary was one of the country's largest ever leaks of the potent greenhouse gas methane provoked impassioned calls for a rapid just transition to 100% renewable energy nationwide. Quote, the next time some paid liar in the fossil fuel industry insists fracked gas is helping solve the climate crisis, remind them that a single Exxon fracking site leaked more methane in 20 days than all but three European nations emit over an entire year, tweeted David Serrata, a speechwriter and advisor for Bernie Sanders' 2020 presidential campaign. Serrata quoted the Washington Post report on the findings of a study published Monday in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. A team of American and Dutch scientists studied satellite data and found that the February 15, 2018 blowout at a Belmont County well, which was hydraulically fractured or fracked before the incident, resulted in an, quote, extreme leakage of methane. The team of 15 scientists explained that, quote, from these data, we derive a methane emission rate of 120 
plus minus 32 metric tons per hour. This hourly emission rate is twice that of the widely reported Aliso Canyon event in California in 2015. The incident in California, which lasted four months, is the largest known accidental methane leak in the United States. Methane is 84 to 87 times more potent than carbon dioxide over a 20-year period. Quote, the Ohio episode triggered about 100 residents within a one-mile radius to evacuate their homes while workers scrambled to plug the well, the New York Times reported Monday. At the time, the Exxon subsidiary XTO Energy said it could not immediately determine how much gas had leaked. Critics of continuing fossil fuel production pointed to new findings about the blowout and its consequences as evidence of the dangers of using natural gas as a, quote, bridge in a national and global transition to 100% clean energy. Author and activist Naomi Klein tweeted a link to the terrifying Times report and highlighted commentary from a scientist at the U.S.-based nonprofit advocacy group Environmental Def Defense Fund. Quote, Right now, you have one-off reports, but we have no estimate globally of how frequently these things happen. Stephen Hamburg, EDF's chief scientist and a co-author of the new study, told the Times. Is this a once-a-year kind of event? Once a week? Once a day? Knowing that will make a big difference in trying to fully understand what the aggregate emissions are from oil and gas. Bill McKibben, co-founder of the global environmental advocacy group 350.org, who also shared the Times report on Twitter, concluded that, quote, natural gas is clearly a bridge fuel. It's just that the bridge leads to hell. And that will wrap up this episode of Frack You Very Much. Remember, you can check out all the back episodes and you can find links for to make a donation or to send me a message at frackyouverymuch.com. You can also follow on Twitter at FYVM Show. From the album The Butcher, The Banker, The Bitumen Tanker. This is Lee Reed with the song, Bad Gas. Thanks for listening. The oil sands are the second largest oil deposit in the world, bigger than Iraq, Iran, or Russia, exceeded only by Saudi Arabia. Digging the bitumen out of the ground, squeezing the oil and converting it into synthetic crude is a monumental challenge. It requires vast amounts of capital, Brobdingnagian technology, and an array of skilled workers. In short, it is an enterprise of epic proportions, akin to building the pyramids or China's Great Wall, only bigger, 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 bigger,
Science is no denying it, the climate changing, stakes is higher, storms violent, the water dying, they force complying for client biases, they decided, title shift, existence, life's in the grips, the fortune, the torture of fortship, petrol pricks and toss and riches, addiction, the victim etiquette until we're dead from the threat of unleaded and earth shredded for first world edifice, profit got no pause or impediment, falling like the house of sawed and all three Parties wanna party hard They got our parliaments involved in Toss and extraction is charted Backdoor is always revolving Them lips and cons have both got jobs Reported to the corporate causes Profit posted for they bosses The earthwork her dirt into coffins And bitumens is just so toxic Lost it, all hopes forgotten That barrel races to the bottom And democratic process raw And we fall in like leaves in the autumn Season season the cancer blossom, tar sands are so catastrophic Largest ever man-made project that feed the peeps a broken promise Bought it, now the beast has got it Them folks is forced to pay the cost of it True north, free for the market Eco-sided basement bargain The earth is bleeding in the process The world is pleading for us to stop it Yes, check that ass That's some bad gas you passing Toss and extractor, court disaster for corporate masters. Check that ass, that's some bad gas you passing. And the earth can't manage it. The heart and damages, it caused the planet and 